Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Coming up, our look at the offensive tackles. The thing that I like about this tackle crop. The best of the bunch may be around later than usual. I got him 20th on my board, Paul. We break down all the top tackles. This is a kid that's been a four-year starter. The good, bad, and other. This is a kid with a heart arrhythmia. Run through teams showing the most interest. Don't be surprised the Broncos jump in and grab him with round two pick, which is number 41. Discuss the best fits. Bring that glass slipper and take him to Atlanta. And include several small school standouts. Only some Mika Udo. <laughs> this is the Scouts Honor Podcast with inside information. He's a Jaguar unless the Jaguars <laughs> do something smart. And unique perspective. That footwork of his, Paul, that's a dancing bear. That's what I love about this guy. From Super Scout Dave T. Thomas and your host, Paul Crane. Hello again, everyone. I'm Paul Crane, back with the Director of Operations of Scouting Services, Inc., and the publisher of the NFL Draft Report, Dave T. Thomas, who has been scouting players and writing reports for the NFL and its teams for more than 40 years. And Dave T., today, a look at offensive tackles. This, a very important position that sometimes gets overlooked by the average fan because it's on the offensive line, but it never gets overlooked by the quarterback or the running backs or the rest of the team in particular. Well, unless Jacksonville makes an expected move to take an offensive tackle in the top 10, I don't think we're going to see any of these guys go until the second half of day one, Paul. The reason behind that is everybody is going to be rushing to get those edge rushers. Once the edge rushers are sort of weeded out a little bit, you know everybody that needs an arm are going to start trading up for average quarterbacks. This should push down the crop. I see day two being a very, very busy day as far as going ahead and getting yourself a blocker up front. And that's an unusual case when it comes to the draft because often the best offensive tackles are taken very high and it's not unusual to see an offensive tackle taken number one overall. Well, the thing that I like about this tackle crop, Paul, is that we're not going to see too many being shifted over to guard, which usually is the norm when we're sitting down on draft day. Well, this guy's arms are too short. This guy can't move laterally. We have a lot of good athletes at the tackle position this year. Still, some of the top guys that are going to go in the first two rounds will likely end up at other positions, but it's because of their skill set, not because of a deficiency. And before we start talking about the specific players in the draft and a couple of small school guys that you like a lot, the teams that came back with their primary needs to you, no surprise, a number of them had offensive tackle, but relatively few of them addressed that in veteran free agency. Well, before free agency, we had Arizona, the Chargers, and Minnesota that were in such a dire need for offensive tackle. We thought they would attack it through the veteran free agency market. Jacksonville, the Giants, Philadelphia, these are three other organizations that are contemplating using first-round draft uh, selections to address these issues. Then we have Cincinnati, Miami, Buffalo, the Jets, Green Bay, all targeting guys on day two. 
then you have the depth people that have to come up. Cleveland would like to add a third offensive tackle. The Rams look at it, Andre uh, uh, Wadsworth at his age. Uh, you turn around and look at Atlanta. Atlanta still has a big hole at the right tackle position. Chicago, they had a lot of injuries on the line. Houston, they have to protect the Sean uh, Watson a whole lot better than they do. These are teams that will come up round two, round three, and start hitting then. Hey, it only goes to show you, though, Paul. I mean, we had Trenton Brown from New England all of a sudden end up at Oakland for a tidy $66 million, $36.5 million guaranteed. I guess what they say, if you need a left tackle, see who New England starts this year, and you could go out and pick them up. Well, I mean, Nate Soldier one year, Trenton Brown the next. Well, at least they're projected left tackle. The guy who didn't get on the field last year, Isaiah Wynn, will be tied to that team for the next four years. That's the rookie they took in the first round out of the University of Georgia a year ago. The one other offensive tackle to make big money in veteran free agency was Jawan James, who left the Dolphins for the Denver Broncos. He got the $51 million deal with 32 guaranteed. There were several others that changed teams and got new contracts, but nothing like Trent Brown or Jawan James. Well, James was a curious thing over here because the simple fact he got so much money when Miami was trying to get rid of him at the trade deadline last year. And then you look at the borderline ridiculous. Let's go up to Cincinnati. They re-signed one of their own, Bobby Hart. Now, out of the 80 offensive tackles that earned considerable starting experience last year, his blocking consistency grade was 69. So that you go ahead and give him $16.5 million on a guaranteed deal. Way to go up there in Cincinnati, folks. (laughs) Well, let's get into the players that are in the draft, and at least three of them you've indicated could well go in the first round, perhaps a fourth, and it depends on what happens uh, as to where they go. But uh, why don't we start with Alabama's Jonah Williams? Well, you look at what's going on. You know, you're going to see Florida's Taylor likely be the first one off the board. Then it's going to come down to what do you want? Do you need an offensive guard? Do you need a right tackle? Obviously, Jonah Williams fits in with that deal. Do you need a pass-protecting specialist? Then you look at Washington State's Andre Dillard. You go down into the second level later on in round two, more than likely round uh, 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 early on the round two schedule. We have Ole Miss's uh, Greg Little. We have Dalton Reisner, one of the best ver- most versatile guys in this draft and Washington's Caleb McGarry. But you got to go back and look at Jonah Williams. I mean, this was a guy that we went into this draft back in September. He was rated the best offensive lineman on the board. Next thing you know, you turn around, what happens? He shows up in Indianapolis and here they are. They're measuring his arms and saying, son, you're going to have to move over to God. No matter where you put him, this kid is going to excel. I look at what he does out there on the football field. I I anticipate this guy starting immediately for a team. Obviously, the most perfect fit if we have French Charming out there. Bring that glass slipper and take him to Atlanta. How much have the Falcons been looking at Jonah Williams? Uh, Well, the whole thing comes down to their infatuation with Ed Oliver, but unless they want to go ahead and use some assets to trade up to get Oliver... Hell, we're hearing right now, Paul, as much as Chucky at number four will likely take that guy. So that might be too much for them to move up. Logic says that if you can't find that defensive tackle or if you're not convinced that a Demarcus Lawrence or Gabe Wilkins could fit in next to Grady Jarrett, you've got to go ahead and work on that right side of the line. 
They signed three offensive guards, so why would they go ahead and sign Jonah Williams? Because they could plug him into right tackle. Look at the size of the guards that I'm bringing in. Those guards compensate for whatever they say on short arms. Short arms is a little ridiculous. If he, if he's the left tackle, I might be a little bit concerned because of the reachability. But understand one thing: at right tackle, I got my right guard, I got my tight end, and then sometimes with teams that use a motion tight end, I got support on that right side of the line, so I'm not worried about him being out on an island. That's a look at Jonah Williams from Alabama, who you say the Falcons could be taking at 14 if other things don't work out. And he could be there, especially if Jawan Taylor is already off the board. And that's the man you said may go first, the Florida tackle. I got him 20th on my board, Paul. You know, I look at him. He shows good uh, agility, balance for a player's size. He's got good foot speed and quickness to get out of his stance with a normal stride. Demonstrates the body control to make the hits, delivers the strength. The big thing that I, I, I don't like about him, though, is his footwork. He seems to be a little bit off balance. So if I'm going to bring this guy in who likes playing left tackle, could I possibly have another situation on my hands similar to Eric Flowers years ago. I don't know. I keep on looking at this guy, and he reminds me of the former Hurricane. Hmm. Well, that uh, that makes it interesting. Where do you see if you've got him twentieth on your board? And obviously, team needs and things. Oh, will he, he he's he's a jaguar unless the jaguars <laughs> do something smart. Well, here's the whole thing, Paul. I got to look at what I just invested eighty plus million for. Obviously, I got to protect Nick. Foles. Obviously, I got a hold at right tackle. But also, I'm looking at a point I desperately need a tight end. Do I wait to round two? When over 39% of his past completions during his career by Nick Foles has been to his tight end, something tells me when I'm over there at number seven and likely looking at a TJ Hawkinson possibly slipping by the New York Giants, I got to say, this is the guy that I got to bring in right now because the only way that guy's going to justify that 80 million dollar price tag is to move the chains how's he going to move the chains i go with a tight end rather than the offensive tackle or if i'm so convinced on taylor i have teams that are crying to move up for a quarterback maybe i can move down to 11 with uh, cincinnati or maybe tim with denver who wants to move up on the lock or the devon white deal i think that there's much a more valuable chip at number seven than to take any of the offensive tackles in this draft at that spot tight end being one of the other priority needs for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So unless they do something smart, in your words, they may take Taylor there. What about Washington State's Andre Dillard? Oh, my favorite guy out there? I mean, he's not going to impress anybody body-wise, but few have the pass protection ability that this cougar possesses. Uses this foot quickness well to shuffle his feet and slide back with ease when taking on the edge rushes. I like the way he stays square and balanced while keeping his pad level low. Even when he gets overextended, Paul, he's still quick to recover. Generates a strong anchor. Good field vision to recover versus double moves. He's quick to pivot in attempts to counter the speed rush. Look at those long arms on this guy. He could get into a defender's jersey just coming up on the rise. He has the speed to mirror 
square up with his opponent, the strong anchor lets him maintain position out there. Probably the most technically sound offensive tackle you will find in this draft. You look at the Texans. The Texans need a body on the right side or possibly moving him over to the left side after going ahead and trading Dwayne Brown two years ago. The Vikings at number 18. This is a team that the Houston Texans will have to worry about possibly popping on him. And you know that the Minnesota Vikings right now with their $85 million quarterback, they have an offensive line that's in total shambles. Once we get past Dillard, another guy that you think may or may not make his way at the end of the first round, but you see him being a day two guy is Kansas State's Dalton Reisner. You know, you got to look at pick number 32. Does Bill trade up? He might do it if there's a spot he could get in to get his tight end. But if not, you go back and look at the blue-collar work at the the New England Patriots offensive line. Dalton Reisner, to me, if I end up putting him up there in a New England uniform, I'm turning him into my next Logan Mankins. I'm moving him inside. However, I know he has two years of starting experience at right tackle. He began his career as a center. He moved to guard as a sophomore over there. This is a guy that I compared to former Chicago Bear, and he was our Swiss Army knife several years ago, and that was Cody Whitehair, now with the Chicago Bears. What I like about Reisner, excellent athletic ability. Good initial explosion off the line. Very nimble for an offensive lineman. Hey, back in high school, this kid played a lot of tight end for them. Has the physical tools to be a productive starting offensive guard or center at the next level if you move him to those spots. With lots of trouble on that right side of the line and a less mobile passer and Joe Flacco, don't be surprised that if New England passes on him at number 32 that the Broncos jump in and grab him with round two pick, which is number four. 41. That's Kansas State's Dalton Reisner. Let's move to some other guys you look at on day two. And before we get to one of your favorites, let's uh, go back to the Pac-12. The University of Washington's Caleb McGarry. This might be one of those few that you talked about at the top of the podcast that won't be that many that change positions. Uh, how are, How is the league looking at McGarry? Uh, they're looking at him possibly as shifting into guard. Uh, some teams might be backing off a little bit due to his health issues. You know, this is a kid with a heart arrhythmia. Uh, not to the point where he cannot play anymore, but to the point where some teams might be getting scared off on that. Outside of uh, his uh, personal life, though, you know, you're looking at a kid that's got good in the initial quickness to engage. Uh, a good reach in his past that point, plays on his feet, very good balance. He just needs to show better lower body flexibility when redirecting. That's why I see him more so moving inside than playing out on the edge. He has good mobility when he stays with his man, but you like to see him finish better and show more aggression. He'll get into his blocks quickly, Paul, thanks to his above average knee bend, but this is a guy that even when he's laid off his snap, he shows good adjustment skills on the move, and that's what I want from a trap blocker. As an offensive tackle, I don't know. I look at him, and he reminds me a lot at tackle of uh, the Green Bay Packers' former second-round bust, Jason Spriggs. That would not be a compliment. So do you see who who's looking well, at Well, you know, you got to look at one thing, though. You look at what the ball player could bring. His value as a second rounder. He could possibly end up being with the Cincinnati Bengals. They seem to be on that classic musical jazz with their tackles lately. That's our look at Caleb McGarry from Washington, which brings us to one of 
one of those from the SEC that I know you like a lot. Greg Little of Ole Miss. You know, he got such a bad rap for what happened down at Mobile and Indianapolis. But understand one thing. This is a kid that's not going to perform well with a stopwatch. This is a kid that's going to get out there and play. I look at him on the football field, man. That footwork of his, Paul, that's a dancing bear. That's what I love about this guy. I mean, if the kid's not named Dalton Reisner, if the kid's not named Andre Dillard, I want him to be named Greg Little when I put him out there on the football field. He's got the frame that could develop more he possesses above average strength, especially in a lower frame. And that's what makes him stout at the point of attack. Despite possessing a linear basketball-like physique at times with those long arms, 85-inch wingspan, Paul, that was the second biggest at the combines. Loose hips, good agility to sit and anchor. Despite his tall frame, he's become quite adept at keeping his pad level down, folks. This is a guy, round two, you look at the Jets, you look at the Browns. They need help on that offensive line. That's where I see this kid getting a lot of attention from those two teams. That's Greg Little of Ole Miss, another of those SEC offensive linemen, but someone that slipped through the SEC. We've been talking about him as a sleeper of yours since midseason, and now he's not really a sleeper, I don't think, anymore in the eyes of the NFL because he seems to have risen up from nowhere onto Maybe day two draft boards, Alabama State's Titus Howard. Oh, he, he, he's at, uh, everyone's top 50 guy over here. Definitely will go no later than, you know, I would say midway through round two. Has excellent athletic ability for his position. Possesses the loose hips, lower body flexibility, valid quickness of a tight end ball. Coming off that snap, a good explosion. You see how quick he is to get out on the edge. Shows that very fluid knee and ankle bend when changing direction. He needs to work a little bit on his field strength, but you got to go back to the school's program itself. This is not exactly Clemson's training room that you would find down in Alabama State. He does strike with a good quick hand uh, jolt, moves well in the open, does a nice job of locating and neutralizing linebackers. He runs with those short pitter-patter steps in his retreat and uh, pass protection. He's got good plant and drive agility to redirect. You look at this kid right now. Look what's going on with the Eagles. Well, a perfect kid to end up mentoring under Jason Peters at left tackle and Titus Howard himself. Alabama State with Titus Howard. Some guys that you've got projected possibly late day two could bleed to day three. You had said it earlier that... It could be very busy on day two with the offensive tackle position. But what about Northern Illinois' Max Sharping? Well, you're talking about, if you're thinking about Andre Dillard as far as an excellent pass protector, right behind him is Max Sharpen. This is a kid that's been a four-year starter. He's got the foot quickness and knee bend to just stay with those edge rushes. Very good overall flexibility in that body. Runs with a normal stride. He's a power-oriented type of blocker, and you look at a lot of teams out there, they seem to be getting away from that zone blocking screen uh, scheme and going back to these maulers. Uh, look at Dallas. Look at what's going on with the right side of their offensive line. Since Doug Free retired, they've been having a big issue over at the right tackle position. Line them up next to Mr. Collins over there, and you could protect Dak Prescott, who's going to be coming up for a big contract within the next few weeks. Max Sharping from Northern Illinois, which brings us to Southern California's Chuma Idoga. 
Yeah, I like this kid, and I think New York fans might see a lot of similarities in his play because he reminds me a lot of Kelvin Beecham. He shows good in the initial quickness to engage. Uh, you look at what he does out there as far as his suddenness goes, uh, plays on his feet, demonstrates good lower body flexibility. He's got impressive mobility to stay with his man on the move. Some teams are looking at him, especially Miami, about not only playing him on the right side of the wall, but possibly moving him inside the guard. We move from USC's Chuma Adoga to a school that certainly has produced its share of offensive linemen, and that's Wisconsin, David Edwards. You know, they got two over there. They got him and they got Michael Dieter, but I think Dieter is more likely going to move inside the guard because he doesn't have, how could I put it, the technically sound ability that David does. I mean, he's quick, nimble feet, moves well forward off the snap, does a nice job of using his frame to pinch the defenders back inside. When he stays low in his pads, Paul, he can fire low off the snap or good explosion and gain instant advantage. He's not explosive as much on the move, but he's really late getting off the line of scrimmage. Those long arms, strong hands, he's very good at gaining advantage on a defender, and he flashes suddenness coming off the ball. Two teams looking for help right now as a right tackle plug-ins are Green Bay and Houston. A Green they ought to know about him. He's right down the block. <laughs> As a Wisconsin Badger. So we continue uh, our look at some players that you think may still be there on day two and taken. When we talk about West Virginia last season, quarterback Will Greer got all the attention. How much should he be thanking tackle Yadni Kajust? Yadni, love that kid, man. I mean, good time, speed, footwork, ability to quickly recover when out on the island with an edge rusher. Might find a quicker route to the NFL starting on the right side of the line than staying over on the left side. When he gets out of position, he's quick to redirect good to that, uh, thanks to that good hip snap. Shows good strength and explosion out of his stance. He doesn't bend too much at the waist, which I like. He's a solid second-level blocker thanks to his foot speed. He's the type of guy, though, he looks better on tape. And he'll surprise all the Tajik defender. The Chargers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they've been in on this kid more than once over here. That makes him a nice day two possibility. We know how much you love the small school kids. And before we leave the late day two possibilities and kind of run through a couple of quick day three with some other real small school kids. But what about Ole Udo from Elon College in the Southern Conference? Ole Ole Samiamika Udo. (laughs) (laughs) Thank God for the trainer. His first name doesn't go on the back of the jersey. At least his last name is short enough for him. This is a guy that I think could be utilized more better, uh, much better as an interior blocker as he does a nice job of pulling and trapping, reaching and logging. He's got the speed to cut off the linebackers when leading through the inside holes. Looks very fluid. He's got good foot adjustment to make the solid contact when he's out in the open. Athletic and smooth, moving off the line, the body control to execute blocks in space. His athleticism to stay up and play the game on his feet, that's what I like about this guy. When it comes to day three, I'll just run through some names and, and let you talk about whoever might jump out from you. And I'm going to save two of the smaller school guys uh, for later but how about Mitch Hyatt from Clemson uh, Paul Adams from Missouri 
Martez Ivy from the University of Florida, another SEC guy. And then, of course, there's Dennis Daly, another SEC guy from South Carolina, Ohio State's Isaiah Prince, North Carolina's William Sweet. Those are some big school guys that you've got targeted as day three tackles. Yeah, I like Paul Adams a lot. I think he's probably going to be the first tackle off the board out of Missouri on day three. Mitch Hyatt, I look at him. This is the type of guy that I think some team might end up moving him into an interior position and taking him probably round four itself. Martez Ivy, I mean, you, you go back in September, this was a top-rated offensive tackle on the board among the seniors. Now he slipped down to day three. He didn't have that year that you expect out there. A lot of people also expect him to move inside. My favorite over here is Trey Pipkins out of Sioux Falls. You look at him, you look at Tennessee State's Chicky Okeke. You know me, I'm from Brooklyn. But both of these guys, I come up in day three. They're the type of guys that I want to get out there and say, you know what? I will teach you how to play this position. Go back and look at Oakland last year with Brian Parker. I think they got themselves a keeper there. Uh, Pipkins and uh, the Tennessee State kid, these are two guys that I'm really curious to see who jumps on him in day three. Kansas City Chiefs have been showing a lot of interest in the Sioux Falls guy. That's Trey Pipkins from Sioux Falls. I can't remember the last player to get drafted from Sioux Falls. Now, Tennessee State does have a a long line of players, but Chitty Okiki is from Tennessee State. And one other name we didn't mention, it is a Pac-12 school, the University of Utah's Jackson Barton. Yeah, Barton's a a decent guy. He could play uh, uh, offensive guard. I more so like him out at the the right tackle position. He executes good blocks in space. The big thing that I need on him, though, I need to see better hand activity. He short arms quite a bit, and that lets the defender into his jersey. As we put a ribbon on our look at the offensive tackles in this year's draft, we can go back to where we started. It's such an important position, both right and left tackle, on any football team, and one that is going to be treated a little differently in this year's draft than we've seen in many past years' drafts, but the importance is no less. Well, the whole thing comes down to what you need and what type of system that you're using. If I'm using a zone blocking scheme, obviously I want more athletic type of tackles. If I'm using a power formation, though, I want the bigger bodies there. I need strength on my outside. That's our look at the offensive tackles as we continue to count down to the NFL draft as we go position by position here on the Scouts Honor Podcast. And Dave T., as always, we thank you for your insight and information. We thank everyone for listening. And we'll look forward to having you right back here on the Scouts Honor Podcast. Of course, because you got to come back. We talk about the centers. We talk about the tackles. Next podcast, we're going to talk about the guards. You might see some interchangeable names there, too, because a couple of guys predicted it going at center. We're also showing a lot of guard ability. Then come back this weekend. We're going to go back in and do our little draft rumors, trade rumors factor. Remember, this is smokescreen time, but, folks, there is going to be a lot of action on draft day. Scouts Honor is protecting at least 16 first-round draft picks changing hands. A lot of moving parts, and we're trying to follow them all right here. Dave T. can't wait. Thank you, and again, thank you for listening. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.